Welcome back to the show, everybody. I've got a great interview with James Sinatra coming up. Uh, he was somebody who used to sort of work in the sports gambling world as somebody who would make picks on um, televised programs. So he's going to come on. He wants to talk about prevention and what we can do to help young gamblers. Really great conversation. I want to thank Epic Risk Management for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Love Epic Risk Management. Good people over there. Lived experience trying to share their stories to prevent harm with other people. And a quick note to one particular listener. Um, you left me a review yesterday or sometime this week. Your name is Jasoner, Jasoner, I don't know. But uh, you clearly were disappointed by the lack of episodes. I was disappointed, too, that I couldn't do them. But unfortunately, my schedule didn't permit. But we're back. I hope you enjoy this episode and hope in the future you will reach out to me, LeeStreetPod at gmail.com. And we can absolutely have a conversation about what you'd like to see on the show. And that goes for everybody. And if you want to share your story, email me and we'll do that. I've got a whole uh, bunch of emails to answer to get new people on the show to share their lived experience stories. So that's coming up. Enjoy this episode of the show, everybody. Thank you so much. Welcome to All in the Addicted Gamblers podcast. My name is Brian, and I have lived experience with gambling harm. And my guest today, I met via LinkedIn. He's somebody who has a history with the industry and is now talking about prevention. His name is James Sinatra. James, how are you? Thanks for doing this. Brian, thanks for having me. Uh, it's good to see you. I found you on LinkedIn because you 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 put out a lot on LinkedIn. And uh, some of it's pretty fiery. And so I was like, who's this guy? I want to talk to him and see what his deal is and why he's so fired up about this whole thing. What is your background? Where did you start out? Well, first of all, I want to preface this, this podcast by, um, you know, commending you on your great leadership in this space. Uh, it's refreshing. You have a lot of courage and you've helped a lot of people. And I want to offer applause to that to get things started. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. Yeah, for sure. Um, now to answer your question, um, where did I, where does my story start? So gambling came into my life probably in my middle teen years. I wasn't active, okay, but I had family members, cousins, uncles that were full gambling addicts. Um, used to get calls every Sunday morning, you know, from them both. Who do you like in the football game? What do you think of the Jets? What do you think of the Giants? The spreads and this, and this is all new, you know, lingo to me. You know, I grew up a sports fan. I was always around sports, um, you know, but these people were, had big roles in my life. I was around them. Um, they offered a different lifestyle than I was raised into. They always had money, big cars, dressed fancy, wads of cash, this and that. And I was very enticed by them. And I was very, uh, you know, it was a big boost to my self-esteem to be, you know, wow, these people are interested in what I have to say. I don't know about problem gambling or gambling addicts. I just know about, you know, uh, what I'm being asked and, and what in the world I'm being brought into. Um, my parents were very against it, you know, stay away from him, this and that. It's not good to be doing this. Okay. You know, nobody listens. We don't listen, you know, so, but I wasn't engaged in gambling at the time because I had no money. I wasn't working. I was a high school kid. I was interested in playing basketball 24 seven. That's all I wanted to do and being a sports fan. You know, um, but I didn't really start. I wasn't really exposed to hands-on gambling until I was 19 years old. Uh, I had a uh, best friend at the time at high school. He um, found a bookie, a local bookie, and, you know, he was firing right away. I got involved. I started playing underneath him, um, you know, and he developed a problem really quick. I remember I didn't hear from him for days, and I took a ride over to his house and checked in on him. 
um, flashed my lights, my beams into his window. I saw the blind come down a little bit. He wanted to see who it was. He came around, let me in. I walked in his house and all of the uh, phone, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then, obviously, all the cords into the wall were ripped out of the wall. So what the hell's going on? Oh, I'm in too deep. I'm down a lot of money. You know, I'm kind of, you know, he was hiding essentially, you know, from paying all that money back. So that was like my first exposure to, wow, this could be a little bit dangerous. He's running from people because it has the money to cover his bets. Um, and, and just through my 20s, you know, through my 20s in New Jersey, just following me, you know, I was gambling, sports betting, my whole circle of people we were all engulfed in sports betting and drinking and pot smoking and going to bars and clubs and that hustle lifestyle and you know being around bookies all the time and, and this and that and it just it followed me through my 20s and so what led you to start working uh, within the industry well the industry uh, it's weird so you know i I got back um i got an opportunity you know fast forward take a lot of jumps and you know the gambling was still a part of my life, but I got rid of gambling hands-on from a hands-on perspective, probably in about 2009. I needed a life change. My mother became ill. Um, you know, I went to therapy, quit drinking, had to get gambling out of my life, got rid of a lot of people in my life. You know, I wanted to make a change. And, um, you know, I was pretty much sober and excluded from all of that. And then in 2018, I know some, I, I had a, uh, a pretty good friend, was working at a regional sports network who said, you know, the gambling's going to be opening in New Jersey and getting passed and legalized. And, you know, they're going to be looking for a person to deliver content on air at a regional sports network in New York city. DraftKings was a sponsor and um, you know, they want to get you in there and put you behind cameras. Wow. Dream come true. I'm going to be on television. And you know, this content, I don't even have to work very hard at it's in my DNA. Um, you know, it was a lot of adrenaline, a lot of excitement started rolling. Uh, they decided that I was the guy. I don't know if they, you know, I was the only candidate or if there were many others, but, you know, jumped in, I was ready to go week one NFL season. And so what was your, your, can you describe the show that you were on? What was it a half hour? What was the whole, was it just discussing lines and picking favorites? It was pretty much, uh, three segments a week that were being aired on linear that were being aired on um, digital. And then there were some live shows sprinkled in there, Super Bowl show. Uh, I think there was another playoff show. And then I was making appearances on um, daily programming. Um, that was just a regular sports talk show. And they would bring me in and we talk some lines, you know, and we pretty much ran that through, but I got to say, you know, it, it started <laughs> right away. You know, it's always been buried in my subconscious that there was a way of handling this content. And you know what, I, you know, I wanna be great. I wanna be the best. I wanna be prepared. I wanna be all these things, but you know, I've been around so many people that have been harmed and have had their lives ruined um, from gambling that, you know, we need to be accountable. We need to be responsible for our viewers and for the public. And we need to offer some prevention and not knowing then what I know now, but, you know, even if it was just something more than an 800 number, you know, get uh, people from the council maybe on once a quarter just to discuss this. And there were two things that were burnt in my mind right away that I'll never forget. Um, a friend I went to high school with, I would me on Facebook. She saw me on TV because the hits would run at night sometimes and then they would rewind the next morning, you know, four or five times. And she said to me, she goes, yeah, me and the kids were 
we're watching, we saw you on TV and, and um, you know, the kids were talking, wow, he, you know, he's Jamie and he's talking about sports betting on TV. And, and I said, she, she, and initially she told me that I was like, wow, you know, that, that that's cool. Like that's exciting. People are seeing me. I'm getting noticed. And then from the back of my head I said, Jesus, man, kids are starting to see this. You know, I got 15 and 13 year olds seeing this and I'm talking to them. You know, that was a problem. The other thing that was a problem is I started to have a couple guys notice me said, you know what? We've been NFL fans. I've been an NFL fan my whole life, Jets, Giants, whatever, but I've never thought of sports gambling. You inspired me to open an account with DraftKings. And, I, and at first it's like, wow, you know, thanks for the support. But then something in the back of my mind's going off. Like, geez, am I going to be accountable if this guy loses his family and loses all of his money? I mean, I've seen this movie for most of my life, you know, and, and that was a concern right off the bat. So all this, these different synergies are going through my mind, like, you know, and it, I had trouble sleeping at night, to be honest with you a little bit. I mean, how do you, how do you go from your friend? How do you get to the point where your friend's just like, Hey, they're, they're doing this gambling content and you should go do that. And I, I mean, that seems like, like you said, I don't know if I was the only candidate. What was your background? Did you have any background in, in talking out loud uh, to people? Did you go to no. school for broadcast journalism? Did you have, what was your background there? Degree in communications, uh, a okay. BA communications with a minor in advertising. Um, so I took, you know, I'd run through all the courses, you know, media courses, broadcasting, broadcast journalism, writing for newspaper, all, you know, I was an editor, head editor of our school newspaper. Uh, you know, in the sports section. So when so, this came along, this was like, oh, wow, this is exactly what I wanted to be doing. Yeah, but it was so far removed from college. I mean, we're talking 20 plus years down the road. I mean, I'd been doing everything in between from reselling tickets uh, online to uh, managing household moves to project managing at pharmaceutical companies and being responsible for oncology and diabetes and gym and functional genomics laboratory stuff. So, you know, I, I've really had a, a mixed buffet uh, of a resume going forward. This is something that I just kind of fell into. The timing was everything, you know? So can you give me your evaluation of what the gambling industry looks like today versus the gambling industry that you sort of started out with? I started out with as far as the, when the, I the gambling that started you off with as a kid. Yeah. As a kid? Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I mean, the products are so much, they're so potent. And, you know, you got to understand when I started sports gambling in my 20s with the guys, you know, this was like, you know, you were looked at, it was very alienating. You know what I mean? Like you were looked at, like there was something wrong with you. Like people told people to stay, you know, stay away from that guy. He's a gambler, you know, and now it's so normalized and glamorized that's like the biggest difference to me but also the technology also the products i mean they target 24 7 inclusion um you know we didn't have a, a an iphone and all this technology access i mean i would have been buried if if i did you know and we had nobody talking you know other than our parents like you know you shouldn't do that and and, and this and that. And there's really no hardcore prevention today. It's very marginalized. But that's the biggest difference, I think, is the technology and kind of like just the um, uh, openness to normalization of everything. Now you're kind of looked upon as, 
you know, not being normal if you don't gamble. So it's kind of like reversed. It's done. It's done a full circle almost. You know, when I was younger, it was just, you know, you bet and you took a winner. You, you either laid points, you took points, or you bet it over under. Now you can bet on what kind of gum a player is chewing. You know, there's a zillion props out there. You know, you know what I mean? Everything to kind of keep you hemmed in. Yeah. What do you think we could be doing that we're not doing right now to prevent well, harm? Well, I believe the responsible gambling that industry is providing is a complete failure. I believe that there's evidence out there to support it. Um you know, very, very few are following those guidelines. And I mean, you know, let me be honest with you. Like I was not anti-gambling. I was anti-industry based on the way industries conducted themselves. It started in the pandemic when, you know, we were going through all of that hell. Uh, you know, we were frayed emotionally, mentally. We didn't, it, it was unprecedented times. And I mean, they're sending casino promos, you know, these networks, whether it was WFAN or sports grid or some of these other places, you know, they're, they're pushing lines for Korean baseball. They're pushing Russian ping pong at a time where they should have been telling you, you know, be disciplined, make sure your rent's paid, make sure you have food on the table. You know, people aren't getting their unemployment checks. People are getting furloughed and they're flooring it with gambling can being completely advantageous. You know what I mean? So the seeds were planted during the pandemic. Um, you know, the responsible gambling framework, you know, at any capacity should have been laid in 2018. Okay, so at least there was some sort of like fragmented messaging of safety. There hasn't been any. And, you know, government's responsible for that. Industry's responsible for that. So, my, you know, my whole take going forward is, you know, uh, these kids, you know, we're failing these young adults, the 16 to 24 demographic dramatically, in my opinion. And they should be offered a conversation um, with alternative, you know, why do you want to gamble? What do you think you're going to get from gambling? Who are you gambling with? Okay. Wellness conversation. You know, they talk about money management. You know, I, I have a good friend who's a financial advisor, you know, give him and I'll get, I, I won't take a penny. I, there's nothing in it for me, but I'll put you in touch with him. Give him that 50, 100 to 500 a month that you're given to DraftKings and line in their pocket with and in 10, 12 years down the road, maybe you'll have three, four, five hundred thousand dollars sitting there waiting for you because you ain't going to have a penny if you stay the course with gambling. That needs to be offered. A conversation about self-esteem needs to be offered. I gambled because I didn't have the self-esteem. OK, I was always chasing, you know, addicts and, and hustlers and people along that line who I thought were, uh, you know, risk takers and, and always adventurous and dangerous. You know, I was attracted to that. And now I'm seeing those people go broke, get divorced, get sick. Their physiological uh, being is ruined. They can't sleep, whatever, all these things. There's nothing positive. I don't have a positive story about one gambler that I ran with that is now 40, 45, 50 years old. They have nothing, okay? None of them have anything. The only people that are getting any, anything are the industry members and their ancillary. That's it. The leagues, the teams, they're getting it all, okay? God bless them, okay, unfortunately. But the guys like us, we get nothing. And the younger kids, it doesn't, it comes a lot quicker in 2023 based on where their mental health is, based on the technology, based on these products, based on all of these, you know, attractive 
young women that are telling them to gamble, all these movie stars, all these athletes that are normalizing all this. These people are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, millions. They have the financial means to support their gambling. These young adults don't. And they're being sucker punched and they deserve a conversation with alternative. To uh, to steal a line from John Stewart, he said that we're not a preventative society. You know, we need to engage with something to figure out that it's bad for us. Well, how much more evidence do we need? I mean, we're coming out of a pandemic. There's a mental health crisis. Every time we turn on a TV, you know, I'm a big follower of a lot of doctors, whether it's Doc Amen or, or some of these other, um, you know, or his wife, you know, the Heron Project, the Heron Organization. Chris Heron's been a huge inspiration for me. Um, you know, and you talk about prevention. I mean, imagine Chris Heron was going in to speak to thousands of high schoolers, you know, in Indiana, Illinois, Florida, wherever he's going and telling them, hey, you know what? It's okay to try that line of cocaine. It's okay to pop that opioid because it didn't work for me. It's okay. And that's what essentially some of the people in the responsible gambling space are doing. They're offering a cool off. Okay. Addicts don't know cool offs. Those are messages of inclusion, okay? They're inviting you back into the room, okay? Now, a young man, a young woman who doesn't have the self-esteem, who doesn't have the courage, peer pressured, okay, by people, you know, we're looking at a um, time where a lot of people are lonely. They have no place else to go. I know that. I lived that. I moved to Boston in 2002. I had no friends, okay? What did I do? I gambled, I drank, and then eventually, you know, I went to the bars and I connected with all these people. You know, that group of people is always taking applications. Okay, they'll always welcome you with open arms. You know what I mean? So I always uh, gravitated toward that space. And, you know, I, I see that more and more, but now it's normalized and the proper messaging uh, isn't being communicated to them on the other side, you know? Responsible gaming, gambling from the industry, they're not talking about mental health. They're not talking about, you know, look at me. I'll use myself as an example. You know, I'm a bare bone guy. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid to admit or talk about my issues. You know, I suffer from CPTSD, from gambling. Okay. Gambling didn't wipe me out financially. I didn't, I don't have a felony on my record. I didn't lose my family. Okay. But I'm living through a sober lens in 2023, watching all this unfold in front of me. And it's tough. You know, I had to go to therapy, you know, and talk to the therapist. I don't go much anymore. I went a lot. You know, it helped me to quit drinking and to get rid of gambling and to change a lot of things in my life in 2009. It was a pivotal time in my life. But occasionally I go back and I had to, I have to talk to my, my, my therapist. I have to get an answer. I'm like, you know, I have no urge to gamble. I don't want to be around professional sports industry or any of the people or any of that fictional lie or any of that nonsense anymore, but I'm so stressed out. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm fearful because I know how this is going to end for some people and some of their families. And it really is just bothering me because I feel powerless because I can't do anything to help them. And she goes, yeah, she goes, that's CPTSD. And I go, yeah. So when you see these posts on LinkedIn or Instagram, of me firing against the Darren Ravels and the Dave Portnoy's of the world. That's where that's coming from. You know, that's like, I want to shake them and wake them up and throw cold water in their face and ask them what they're doing. 
Can you tell me more about Darren Ravel? Because I see you go after him a lot. Um, for people who don't know, who is he and, and why do you go after him so much? I have a massive problem with him. Okay. A huge problem with him. Okay. He's two-faced. He's condescending. He's patronizing. I believe there's something wrong with him. Okay. I really do. Like this is a guy that's an executive producer at a place called the Action Network who has all sorts of partners and affiliates with different sports books. Um, you know, they use content, their, you know, their spreads, this and that. I don't know, you know, full-fledged exactly what they do. You know, Darren's on Twitter 24-7, pushing his alcohol brand, pushing endless gambling content, whether it's sharing parlays, winners of parlays, open parlays that have a chance to return lucrative money, so on and so forth, okay? Darren also is a co-host of a mental health podcast, okay? It's beyond comprehension to me. You're going to go on a mental health podcast and snivel about a youth mental health crisis in our educational institutes while you're pushing alcohol, gambling, junk food endlessly on your Twitter handle in front of over a million followers. Most are young adults, and most of them are there to make fun of him and embarrass him and, and, and attempt to humiliate him. And he just keeps flooring it with all of this content. You know, you think after four years, he'd do a little bit of prevention. You know, he hasn't done an ounce of it. And he's enabled by his mental health co-host, who has done some real good, okay? He's done some real good, but he is yet to approach this topic. He want, you know, he'll do plenty of discussion about drugs, about alcohol, about suicides, and we know all too well the coexistence with those products as they pertain to gambling. Am I right or am I wrong? No, you're right. That's where I struggle with him. And and the barstool people, I mean, they're just, they're sick. They're lost. They're all full-blown addicts. Like, we know this. Like, you know, they're very overt and they're proud of themselves. I mean, I saw a video of Portnoy, you know, a couple of weeks ago. He's up at Syracuse University partying with a, a club full of 21 and 22-year-olds with his you know, his high noon, high hard seltzers and, you know, the sports book shirt or whatever he's doing. I mean, this is a 46 year old man. What kind of sense are we making? You know, and like I said to you, and I, and I want to get your take on this. You know, I really, truly believe that there needs to be addiction screening or brain health screening on some of these media people that have a wide open floor on these social media platforms and have all the access to our youth, all of them. You're, any kid can go on Twitter and look at this. Any kid can go on any of these social media. None of them are regulated. You know, you don't have to, uh, you know, say you agree to anything, you know, on a certain age or anything like that. And it's just, it's wide open for them. And, and you know, a place like Barstool, they have millions and millions and millions of followers. And a lot of these young kids, they love the pizza review. You know what I mean? They... They have some attractive women. They're talking about sex. They're talking about weed. They're talking about, you know, all of these things. And it's wide open. And, you know, they don't do an ounce of anything. You know, they'll throw up a 1-800 number or something. But, you know, again, it's a wellness conversation that, you know, to get in front with these kids. Like, do you really want this? Do you want to be 480 pounds like Frank the Tank? I mean, is this your idol? 
Do you want to be drinking high noons and blowing all your money gambling? Is, is this what you want to get out of life? I mean, it seems really fun and really exciting until you're broke, until you get sick, you know, and then what? You know, Dave ain't coming for you. Dave ain't giving you the money to bail you out of credit card debt, you know? So, and, and you know, and with the alcohol, the alcohol is another conversation too. We see people younger and younger suffering from liver problems. I mean, these are real stories. I'm not making this stuff up, you know, and, and it's just, I just feel like we're offering such a huge disservice to our young adults in society. And, you know, we talked all this, oh, you know, mental health and, and, you know, the pandemic, and we have to be so much, you know, so much more sensitive to all these people and, and this and that. And, and we just, you know, time marches on, we just get on with our lives. And, and a lot of these kids are going to fall through the cracks. Yeah. I mean, it's, Freedom of speech. People can say what they want to say. And I think you have to figure out why people are attracted to that particular type of talk. Well, I, it's a, it's exciting. Look, I mean, you know, put your and I and I get it, you know, put yourself in the 22 year old shoes. You know what I mean? Like you want to eat kale and spinach and do yoga or you want to go out and get hammered and gamble. I mean, you know, we, we know we we lived it. But problem is, is where I sit at 47 years old now is I see all the guys I ran with and I see their struggles and there's no success stories, none, none. I mean, they might have some, a lot of money and they might drive a nice, you know, BMW or something like that. They might wear a nice watch, but you know, their health isn't there. They've suffered a lot of pain. A lot of these guys, you know, as you find out, as you get older, you know, they suffered through a lot of stuff when they were younger, pain, different trauma, you know, I have friends that lost family members that grew up in broken homes, divorced uh, parents at a young age, and, you know, all these things, and they never addressed it. And they just go through life, you know, ignoring these things. And you know, they don't want to have the unpleasant conversation. They don't want to look at themselves in the mirror. They just keep going along with it. I know guys in the industry now who I don't talk to anymore. Now, I don't, I talk to maybe one or two people that are still in the radio and TV industry because I had to get myself away from all of them too. Cause a lot of them are full of shit. They are. Can I say that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, they're full of shit. And, and, and those guys, after I left the industry and I started advocating for, you know, prevention and, and some different things, you know, uh, they, they, they'd come to me offline and I never mentioned their names. There are, they are people that people know, and they'd say, you know, geez, I'm not getting anything out of this. I really evaluated myself. I'm losing more money than, than I want. And, you know, how did you stop? And I tell them, well, I went to therapy and I quit drinking and I got rid of a lot of people that were in my life. And that is like so far removed from anything that they want to explore, you know, and they just keep going through it. And then I talk to other guys who were really in the beginning in 2021, they were annoyed. They were like, you know, there's too much gambling around. And you know what? I'm not going to do that on my show. And then two months later, I see him doing promotions for sports books on digital or on the radio. And I, it's mind blowing. I just had this conversation with this guy two months ago. He was scrutinizing the industry and talking about, you know, oh, I don't want to do this. There's too much of it. You know, I don't want to get involved. And now, you know, the phone rings and you know, we'll give you X amount of dollars if you do our ads and Sure. You know, they just change. Nobody sticks to their guns, you know? So, you know, everybody sells themselves out for the money. So, uh, yeah, I'm waiting for DraftKings to come calling to sponsor this podcast so I can sell out. 
but you know, and that, well, <laughs> are you being facetious? A little bit. Okay. Because you know, it's funny. There's, there's two things I wanted to ask you and I want to talk a little bit about player protection also, sure. um, but there's two questions I wanted to ask you. That was the first one. You, you took the words out of my mouth. If one of them called you and wanted to sponsor where, what would your reaction be? And then I have another question, but answer that one first. <laughs> I thought about this because, you know, what if they did as a as a goodwill social cause? Oh, look, we support this podcast. So we're doing well. Um, we're doing good. I don't think they will come calling, by the way. But I've I've done 340, I don't know, five episodes of this podcast. It's been around for eight years. And I only got a few sponsors a couple of years ago. That's when my spot. And it's not like it pays the, you know, it pays the bills of the podcast. It doesn't provide me with a living or anything like that. But it's very nice, and, and they don't have to do it, but they they do it, and and so that's very cool. Um, part of me would love to make a living at this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right, um, at talking about prevention and trying to help people not gamble, and 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 talking what it feels like to be in recovery. That'd be awesome to make a living at this. I don't really see a way in which that's going to happen. If 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 they, you know, in in my darker times, I may have said yes to something like that, um, but now no. Like I, money is not going to, this all revolved around, I'm here because of money. Because when I was younger, I got into gambling and then I chased the money and then I couldn't stop chasing the losses for 14 years. Yeah. Money is not going to solve anything. It doesn't matter how much money they were to give me. It's not going to make me feel any better. In fact, it will only make me feel worse because then I'm just bought out by them. Well, yeah. And, and the flip side to that is, is, you know, I, I think about like having one of those logos on your podcast. Would that trigger your audience? Would that trigger, you know, anybody you were talking to? But for me, you know, I don't want to touch their money. I don't want, I know where that money comes from. You know what I mean? If I'm going to sit here and I'm going to discuss, you know, you know, putting safeguards into place to protect our youth. I know a lot of people, a lot of problem gamblers, a lot of this. I know because I grew up with all of them. I ran with all of them. I saw so many of them get buried. I don't want to put that money into my pocket at all. I don't want to touch it. You know, I don't want to, you know, paycheck that's coming from 21 and 22 year olds, you know, uh, getting sucker punched and not being explained this whole thing. The other part of it, I don't believe in, I don't, you know, that pertains with, you know, there's a portion of a conversation that comes into play with integrity. Now I don't believe everything's on the up and up in these leagues. I never have, you know, whether it's refing, umpiring, you know, players, you know, it's so easy to compromise the game. You know, I watch a guy, I didn't watch because I don't watch. I had to, I divorced myself pretty much from all pro sports. I still watch a little college, you know, a place kicker for the Dallas Cowboy missed four extra points uh, in a football game. I don't even know. might've been, uh, I think they were playing Tampa Bay. Misses four extra points and the game lands a half a point off the total. I mean, four extra points. I mean, at some point it's harder to miss extra points than it is to make them when you've kicked a million of them. You know what I mean? Just stuff like that. And stuff like, and all you hear, like, I get the drip from the algorithms. All you hear are these fans complaining, oh, NHL's rigged, NFL's rigged, the ref's on the take, Angel Hernandez this, you know, this and that. And you know what? It's a caveat, okay? You're, you have made a decision that you are going to stay with all of this stuff and support it. Take what they give you and stop complaining. 
Okay. The gambling's a little bit different optic, okay, because the gambling's more along the lines with public health and addiction and things of that nature. But if you're going to be a fan and consume all this, they're not listening to you. Nothing's going to change, you know? Um, so it's just, uh, just, you know, I hear people complaining all the time, you know, about gambling and, and the way they're treated by these leagues and, you know, the $6 water, the $18 beer, the $50 park. And then they complain about eggs going up 60 cents a dozen, you know, and it reminds me of the guys that I used to run with. They lose all kinds of money gambling. And then they drive around, <laughs> they drive around an entire city looking to save six cents a gallon on gas. You know, it's just yeah. an story already. Um, I, I would happily talk to the industry None of them, none of them call, none of them write, none of them ask questions. I would happily do that because I think they need lived experience in there to talk about this with them to say, like, what can we do that's better than responsible gambling? And they don't they don't reach out for that. And, you know, I was on Fox News yesterday. They know I exist at this point. I've, I've been yeah. to Sports Betting Communities Conference. I've I, I my name is out there. They know I exist, but nobody's reaching out to ask questions about gambling and how we can do it better and safer. Um, there, I mean, there, I should say there is no safe gambling. There is no responsible gambling. That's a contradiction. They don't exist. hundred percent. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. Gambling by definition is risky behavior. You're putting yeah. money out and wishing it to come back twofold. And that's just wishing and hoping. And, you know, if I was somebody who was still gambling, I, I wouldn't trust a phone app for my, with my money. You, you don't think that somebody can mess with that algorithm and, and make you lose? I wouldn't trust that at all. I usually don't like to sow doubt in something like that. But in this discussion, yeah, that's ridiculous to, you know, I would trust the mechanical machine more at the casino than I would my phone for a win. Yeah. And in most of this sports betting, when I went to SBC a few years ago, there was a booth and the whole point behind the booth was, this is how you get people from the sports betting app over to your online casino. Because that was the goal. Get them to where the gambling never stops. Even with all the prop bets, it keeps you going, but there is room to stop. Online casino, there's no stopping. You can go, go, go until all the money's gone. And that's that's what I have the biggest problem with. 24-7 access. 24-7 access is my biggest problem. Alcohol is not allowed 24-7. Yeah, you can buy it and drink alone at home, but you can also play a poker game at home with your friends all night long if you want to. That's no problem. But the access from the industry 24-7 is sinful, is ridiculous. Nobody should be picking up their phone and gambling at four in the morning on the toilet, but people do. And the industry needs to be held responsible. This is where the state governments come in. They should have put this shit in line before they legalized it, but they didn't. They were sold a load of goods from the industry that said, because it's online, we can track it. And if we can track it, we can prevent problem gambling. Well, they're not doing that now. And when they do interact, it's you can self-exclude. You can take a break puts the onus on the gambler. The gambler is addicted. Their brain isn't working correctly. They're not going to stop gambling until they are out of money. You need to be the adult as the industry and cut people off. You need well, to take that responsibility, which they're not going to do unless there's some sort of money laundering issue, some bullshit thing that they care about. You know, um, it, it drives me nuts. And the whole idea of the industry as a whole, is, this is what I picture is it's just guys in suit jackets without ties and fancy funny socks. I mean, that's the whole industry to me is this type of human. Um, the lawmaker in Michigan who was responsible for pushing the gambling and getting it through went and worked for the industry right after it was done. I, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous I mean, in nature. And I, we, 
we were late to this game. The United States was late to the party with sports betting and online gambling. There were lessons to be learned from the UK and from Singapore and from Australia. We didn't learn any of them. And some of these are the exact same companies. They have the same ownership. They know better, but they can get away with it here. So they're going to continue to get away with it until the government cracks down. And I hope the government brings the hammer of Thor down on them. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, you brought up a good point. I've said that so many times. I mean, the phasing is we, the UK, Australia, I mean, Italy, the phasing is there. That phasing will be here in a matter of time. But I mean, th these are all leadership issues, you know, and there's no leadership anywhere. Everybody puts their money and their ego and their control ahead of leadership. I mean, where do we have any leadership, especially in that industry? I mean, I've seen it front and center, you know, so I, you know, nothing surprising. The, the big concern for me and why I feel pure, proper prevention is so vital and we're not going to get any of them. We're not going to get most of them, but we'll get a few of them, you know, if we have the right model. And because the recovery is going to be hell, it's going to be 10 times as worse, I think, for guys like us, because they're getting saturated with all this normalization of gambling and the products and the algorithms. And it's everywhere. A lot of these kids, these younger guys, they love sports. Their community is based on sports. Their life is based on sports. Sports is every place. It's more popular. There's more money in these leagues and games than ever. Okay. And the recovery is going to be hell because a 24 or a late 20s that's going to have to go through a recovery process is going to have to come out with this and live in this gambling nation uh, everywhere. And to me, they're going to have to divorce themselves from all of the games, all of the products, their circle. It's going to be a real, you know, shit sandwich slap in the face for them. You know, that's why I feel like the prevention is so vital. As far as like the responsible gambling goes too, it's like, you know, I sit here and I listen to some of the people offering a conversation publicly. I don't want to bring up any names, but, you know, you're going and, uh, you know, if you're a member of a sports book, and you're offering a responsible gambling conversation uh, that offers a cool off or a money management or something along those lines that what they really are are messages of inclusion. You know, are these the same messages? If you're a harmed gambler, you know, who's experienced self-harm or experienced harm in your family or community, or everybody has a story, everybody knows one, you know, would you offer this to your children in your home? Would you offer this to your nephews? Would you offer this to your children's friends? You know, you're a harm gambler who suffered loss financially, who's, you know, health, mental health, you know, lost relationships, divorce, whatever the story is. And now you're discussing a, you know, responsible gambling framework that offers inclusion to people that you don't know anything about. You know, you stand in front of this room and talk to these people you know nothing about. You know nothing about their health history. You know nothing about their education. You know nothing about their upbringing. You know nothing about their trauma, pain. You know, if they're drinkers, smokers, or anything else, and you're going to have this conversation with them and walk out of the room and leave them, I just, it doesn't fly with me. Are you offering that in your home to your kids? Because if you're not offering it in your home to your kids or to your community, why the hell are you offering it to a stranger? I have a big problem with that, Brian Hatch.
My issue with responsible gambling is it's common sense. And it there's really it's it's common sense to set a limit, to set a budget of time and money. If I'm going to the casino, I'm like, oh, I'm grabbing my 500 bucks and, you know, I'm going for the evening. I still have to work in the morning, so I have to make sure I go to bed. And so there is no I don't need to set a time limit. I'm very aware that I need to get home and go to bed and that I have $500. So my limit, it's all set. But as soon as I go beyond those limits, there's there's nothing for me. The, the industry doesn't deal with addiction. They don't acknowledge addiction and, until they start dealing with addiction, until they start coming at it from this product is addictive and we need to prevent people from getting addicted. They can talk all the responsible gambling they want. It doesn't mean anything. It's not going to Does that help. come? Does that come from them? What? Ever? Addiction talk? Yeah. No. Okay, then we no, we, they don't acknowledge yeah. that it's an addictive product. They wouldn't even say it's an addictive product. They'd say a small number of people experience harm, but that small number of people provides them with a large profit. Use order of mag use an order of magnitude impact when you hear small number, small percentages. I hate that. Okay. They start using benchmarked evidence from years ago. One percent this, three percent this. 6% this, throw it out the window, order of magnitude impacts as expansion grows and more players and more people are acquired, all of those numbers go up with the ceiling, okay? Order of magnitude impacts. That's what we're going to be facing as a society of more gambling inclusion. That's what have to be noted. So you could talk, those numbers are changing every single day. As more players get acquired, as phasing of uh, legalization and more states open, you know, that 1% might have sounded like a small number four years ago. That 1% is a big, bigger number every single day it grows, you know. So keep that in mind. You know, we a lot of people just say, oh, 1%, that's nothing. Well, it might have been nothing four years ago. But, you know, when 42 states are open, it's a big growing number, you know, and it's never Apples, you know, it, it's not a number that's really apples to apples as time marches on. So, you know, <laughs> well, you're talking about millions of people that one to two percent. And then on top of one to two percent is like the disordered gambler and three to four percent is the problem gambler there. That's, that's millions now. of people. And then those people all affect seven to ten people. You're talking multiple millions of people affected by gambling negatively. And that's what people don't get. I When I first heard the 1% number, I was like, wow, it's just 1% of gamblers, but it's not 1% of gamblers. It's 1% of the population. Yeah. When you take just people who gamble, that number goes up exponentially. The amount of people, out of the amount of people who gamble, there's exponentially more people harmed. You know, there's a larger sum. It's not 1% of gamblers. It's 1% of the population. And that includes a bunch of people who don't gamble regularly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and everything increases as everything keeps expanding. It's just simple arithmetic. And their whole goal right now is to get more people who don't gamble to gamble. And that's why they give out bonus offers and ridiculous offers of free credits because they want new people in. And they give you that free gambling money because they know that you, once you're in, you will spend your own money. Right. And they, and they leverage themselves against each other, which is sick to me. You know, you have these big egos, these big marketers, these big dollar industries, corporations battling one another for positioning. And it's coming at the public's expense. The public's getting screwed. The public's getting carved up. Do you know how many people these places employ? 
I could, I mean, it's mind blowing. Thousands and thousands of people on top of all the more. Well, that's always the argument, isn't it, about the gambling industry? Well, we provide uh, jobs. Yeah, it's counterproductive. Sure. You know, so uh, to me, it's like, I, I just, I, I, I wasn't really aware, like, you gotta understand, like coming into this in 2019, you know, take a place like DraftKings. DraftKings was like a small little, like almost cult known fantasy league. Not many people knew who DraftKings was. And I'm going, I'm walking into this industry with, um, you know, just thinking like, it, it's all going to be mine. Like, I'm going to be the only one. I'm going to own this piece of content and, and everything. And you know, I just got swept up. Like I, I just couldn't believe the uh, how it spread so quickly and the advertising and promoting. You know, it's just so. That's the real problem. It's just so far removed from my upbringing and from 20 years ago and anything I was accustomed to. Like unbelievable to me to to watch all this and then to to see it through like a, a sober lens. Holy smokes! Um, you know, I. I can I change the subject here a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just, um, I wanted to have a quick conversation. There's something I wanted to talk to you about, about the player protection. And I had seen, I, I saw, you're going to be on a panel, I believe, in a week or so, discussing player yeah, protection. Yeah, at SBC. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. And um, I think we're having, I think we're having a debate of some kind. I'm I'm interested to see how that goes. Well, what, what's being debated? Oh, who's the debate between? Um. It, it, they're setting it up like a debate to talk about the different topics. I'm, you know, I'm not really sure till I get there. I've, I've gotten a few yeah. emails about it, but I, is it going to be government industry rather than a panel? They're kind of setting it up as as debate. Well, there'll be people from the industry on it, uh, oh, and, really? and myself, the lived experience person. So oh, that's I, I good, know. man. That's exciting. I mean, that that's good. Um, yeah, I, I, um, boy, I had a massive problem with that whole TCU situation with the uh, Damian, I believe Damian Baugh. Is that? Was that the player's name for TCU that hit the shot uh, to cover the game against Gonzaga? Remember, he hit like a meaningless, well, it wasn't meaningless in the gambling space, but I guess, I don't know, they were, TCU was down six points. This kid hit a three-pointer at the buzzer, I don't know, 35-footer, and it um, backdoored the game for the TCU betters. And, you know, but the Gonzaga betters, you know, lost. And, um, you know, this was like the story. It wasn't a story. It was the story by almost every media outlet, every, you know, buddy who's anything in the industry that has a, a handle on Twitter, ESPN, so on and so forth. And I just thought that that was like handled. I just, just disgraceful to me. I mean, this is a young student athlete, a 22 year old student athlete. He's not a financial advisor. He's not there to make the gambling money community or to take it away from them, you know. And the way he was put underneath uh, a magnifying glass, you know, they had different angles in sports books of the Gonzaga betters. Oh, oh no, the Gonzaga, yeah, and then, and then the TCU betters celebrating, and 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 the whole thing, the whole context, everything was wrapped around this shot. And what industry fails to realize with a heavy emphasis on media is this young guy walks amongst us. You know, he has to be in the community. He has to walk to class. You know, he is now have, he now has a legacy placed on him as being the athlete that made people money and cost people money. And, you know, the verbiage of bad beat 
is something that needs to go away. The exposure of the bad beat is something that needs to go away. Well, I guess Scott Van Pelt's out of a job then. Well, you know, but it's not just him. I mean, it started with him. But I mean, even the play, you know, it goes from ESPN to Fandle. I mean, I, you know, I Google this kid. And one of the first stories that comes up is, I guess, DraftKings has a DraftKings Nation uh, website or newsletter or content space or whatever. And you open that up and there's a picture of this, this kid, you know, and it's just, it's everywhere with the social media, how it exposes every last detail. And like I said, you know, this young guy has to wear this now forever. And I know it's a huge, um, you know, it's a lot to bear on these, these young players, mental health. We, we've heard more and more of these stories, whether it be them, whether it be TCU, threats to athletic departments, threats to players, people sliding in their DMs, you know, um, arguments with NBA players yelling back and forth. To was fans. it you? Was it you the other day that posted the one with Kevin Durant? Somebody was bitching at him on Twitter, and then he kind of said, yeah. "Oh, I didn't realize I had this amount of power." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can control this now. You know, he was like using against, like you know. I mean that, and that, again, these are a lot of these stories, like that one specifically. You know, media aren't they're not going to cover that because a lot of them are harnessed on what they can say. So, I mean, if, if I'm a gambler and I see Kevin Durant, you know, talking all kinds of shit about how he controls and can manipulate games now based on scoring, based on holding the ball back, based on ter- whatever, he's pretty much saying that he's in control of this now. I mean, doesn't that give you a flag that there's an integrity issue? Like I said, it's a huge caveat. Oh, if I was and Kevin that- Durant, though, I, I would I would absolutely try to destroy the spread every time. I would pay attention to that spread and I'd make sure that whatever I score, I'm doing it to destroy that spread that they think is going to win them money because it's not his responsibility to worry about the gamblers. It's his responsibility to play basketball and win the game. Yeah, but he's not supposed to have a presence in those conversations as it pertains to league. He started playing basketball when it wasn't about gambling. The league made it about gambling. It's the league. It's on the league. That's a good, that's a great point again, but you know, as far and well, this comes back to the, this comes back to the player protection side of things. So, what is the league doing for these players? You know, I, I've you know read, you know, one of the sports books put out a a presser when they had uh, signed a contract with the NBA, and they actually executed a contract and made a point in the um, story or in the column that integrity uh, integrity was an ongoing. Um, you know, an ongoing moving part thing. Like, how do you sign a contract when you don't have integrity disclaimers put into place? Everything's wide open. So these places are just rushing for the money and, and whatever. They're not taking care of any of these issues. You know, it's, it, I understand what, what you're saying, but it's all good and fine for this kind of playground to go on until something happens, until a bottle of beer flies from the upper deck and hits somebody in the eye, until somebody's mother gets a threat that's sitting in the uh, arena. Well, as somebody a- who was at the Malice at the Palace game, uh, I've Is seen that right? fly from, yeah, I was at that game. We started walking out, and everybody the- started screaming, and we ran back in. You still have the ticket stub? I did for a long time. I don't know if I still have Find it. Find it if you still have it. It's worth some money if you want to sell it on eBay. <laughs> I don't do things for money anymore. I'm well, I mean, that's I mean that that's a fair practice. You're not it's not a public health concern to sell a ticket stub on eBay. I mean, no. I'm just saying it's probably worth a few 
if you're interested in selling it. That's quite, did you, did you actually stay for that? No, I mean, the game was pretty much over. So we started walking out and, and, and then every, we just heard this way, this roar and we were all kind of, we were like running back in to, to watch. And you, I mean, you could see we were, we were on the opposite end of the court, you know, in the middle. So it was, it was hard to watch. I didn't see anything up close. You know, I got home and watched it on the news to see what really happened, but yeah, I was at that game. What an unbelievable evening. You know, I, it's interesting that you bring that up, you know, and these are things that, you know, when, when everything opened up, you know, I got a good buddy um, who still does, you know, he's been broadcasting, he's broadcasted covered teams and he still does work on CBS radio. And, you know, we've talked about all these things since, since day one. I mean, these are things I know that were going to be issues, you know, in tech game and tech, you know, I don't think game integrity I don't even care about game integrity. I mean, anymore. I really don't. Like, I don't consume it. I'm with Whatever. you. It's, Let them it's entertainment. Shit. It's entertainment. I could care Who gives less. gives a shit? You know what I mean? The only thing I have a concern about from that whole optic is the player protection, especially highlighted in the NCAA. I mean, because these yeah. are, these these kids are out on they're campus. Kids. You know what I mean? And they're not and making again, money off gambling. In, they're not getting rewarded. No, but they are, There's no you, players association for them to get money from gambling. No, but the NIL is an interesting kind of layer too now. Now, what happens with that conversation? You know, there's going to be a lot of kids. Okay, so the quarterback has an NIL deal, you know, for whatever, with whoever. And now, you know, but the tackle where the guard who's blocking for them, they get nothing. Well, they hear all these sports book advertisements and see all this sports book and all this gambling stuff that's around them or on campus. And I have noticed that some of these deals have ended with the colleges, which, you know, was a whole nother story about these college partnerships with the sports books. I've seen a few of them have ended. I don't know if all of them have ended, but that temptation is there too. I mean, you know, you're sitting there, all these, NIL, all these guys are getting big money from NIL deals. You know, and then somebody in the, the dormitory says, mm, you know, you know, if you have a holding penalty on a touchdown and you know, there's just there's so many there's so much room for contingency. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so important these conversations. So, you know, the integrity as far as the college game and the NIL, that's a conversation integrity in the pro game. I mean, who cares? Like you said, entertainment. It's the WWE on turf, most of this stuff. You know what I mean? Again, it's a caveat. Buyer beware. You want to get involved and you want to start get, you know, wagering money and investing in all these things. You know, don't kick and scream. You know, Nick Chubb, I never forget it. You got to watch this. Oh, you, you know, I keep thinking you're a Cleveland guy. Jamie's a Cleveland guy. I went nuts. So I think this was 2020, 2021. Cleveland's playing the Texans. Okay, Cleveland's up 10 to seven, spreads three and a half. Okay. And Chubb is running down the sidelines wide open. There isn't a defender within a zip code of him. Under a minute left, whatever. He runs and steps out at the half yard. I lost my fucking mind. I couldn't believe what was going on. Like, spreads three and a half. They're up by three, clear cut touchdown. I, I'm going to send you the clip. And he just steps out of bounds at the half yard line. Cleveland takes a knee, game set match. They win the game by three, the line, the spread goes three and a half and boom, that's it. And nobody says a word about it. And me, I'm screaming my head off yelling at, you know, I told you the games are this and the, the final. And they're looking, you know, he's like, yeah, man, you know, whatever. And nobody says a word about it because it challenges the integrity. And, you know, what media person wants to risk losing their credential, you know? So, I mean, that was, 
one instance that I went nuts over. But, you know, again, I, I'm usually talking to myself about a lot of these things because everybody's in fantasy land and they don't want to have these conversations. You know what I'm saying? Well, they're going to be forced to within a few years because it's just going to get worse. Right. So let's get in front of the kids and let's offer the kids a real conversation with real evidence and real alternative. And you know what? Then they have a choice. We walk away from them and then they have a choice. But we know we did everything in power to say, is this something you really want to get involved in? Here's the evidence. Here's Brian Hatch. You know, he lost a lot of a ton of money. Here's James Sinatra. You know, he's been around people that have been harmed his entire life and now struggles with mental health and different kinds of stress and anxiety that has to deal with it because he's seen so much harm and he's seen the way industry's behaving and, you know, so much more is going on. So is this something that you want in 10, 12, 15 years? It might be a lot sooner because of technology, everything moves so much quicker. You know, so to me, you know, I feel a lot of my aggression, a lot of my frustration toward everything that exists would really be taken away. If I had an opportunity to put my energy into something really constructive, I can't get that opportunity. So, you know, that oh, you gotta, I don't know. You got to get involved. You're in, while well, you're in New Jersey, you could get involved with the council or see what they do. There's, there's, there's room to get involved in that way. Help me. <laughs> and, right, and I'll tell you right now, I'll do it for nothing. Okay, this isn't a money thing for me right now i'll do it for nothing oh this space doesn't have money in it well i don't this is all out of the goodness of everyone's heart listen listen brian okay here's the thing when it comes to me i walked away from hundreds of thousands of dollars i walked away from potentially millions of dollars i could have stayed in that industry i could have been you know played base game i could have i walked away from it i didn't believe in the people and i didn't believe in the products that's me okay now i need to kind of you know, transfer that into a productive uh, kind of vehicle. And it has to be with young adults and kids. Like I'm not getting involved with guys our age. I'm not trying to talk to them. They know everything. You know, they'd rather complain about the Yankees firing Brian Cashman and eggs going up 80 cents a dozen. I can't, you know, and gambling and drinking and buying cigarettes and fast food. And when they have to buy their kid lacrosse equipment, you know, it's a big headache. Like I can't, I can't, have that talk with anybody our age anymore you know i want to get into the kids and and go from there and the girls too that's another thing i'm worried about them too you know these young women who have to prove themselves to their fellas by getting involved with these gambling because they're going to be targeted too you know as more if there's partnerships between the wnba and and the tennis association you know industries made that clear that they see big opportunity with some young women and that's a concern of mine too you know what i mean so there's nothing but <laughs> concerns and I want to help, you know, as best as I can. Well, talking about it helps. So I appreciate you coming on and talking about it. Cause uh, this was, this was fun. This was a good yeah. conversation. I really appreciate it. Um, I will, uh, I'll get this out as soon as I can, but uh, James Sinatra, thank you so much for joining. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for the opportunity, man. Keep doing the good work. You're a, you're an inspiration and a leader and we need more of that in society. Well, I, you know, I, the, the podcast is only around because other people are willing to come on it and talk. So thank you for being a part of that. Anytime, brother. All right. And thanks everybody for listening. This podcast is owned by Lee Street Media, LLC. Music provided by T Vance. Remember, This is a podcast. The views expressed on the podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests. If you need help for a gambling addiction, please seek professional help.